the Cavs for a day. We'll talk, talk about we could talk about the Wizards. Yeah. I have a great I have a great uh, trade idea about the Wizards. Okay, don't do the pod before. The I'm pod. not. I'm just suggesting we could talk about the Wizards. All right. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Actually, Andrew, I think I'm supposed to say Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective. Our uh, marketing people said that I'm supposed to say that. What If you say welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast, I'm Brian Winhurst. I don't like that. I don't like to say my name at all. Okay. But, I, but you know, here's the thing, though. I'll, I should say it. It's Brian Winhorst in the Hoop Collective. But wouldn't somebody who downloaded this podcast already know that? Sounds like a game show. <laughs> like, I think that that would be useful outside. you just said it. You should introduce him like, you know, like you're the SNL guy. It's, it's the Hoop Collective the with pod? Brian What are we doing right now? Oh, Okay. <laughs> It's Brian Winhorst and the Hoop Collective. Featuring Tim Bontemps, brand new ESPN employee, and Om Young Masuk. And joining us later, if it works out, Dave <laughs> McMenamin. <laughs> if um, it works out. We're in the uh, L.A. office, the L.A. Um, base for ESPN. Within the company, it's known as the LAPC, but is that important to no, the podcast? It's not, well, it's important that everyone knows that you're all in the room together. Yes, we're all together. We've just um, watched the Lakers play the Raptors on Sunday night. So the Raptors moved to 9-1 and one tonight. Kawhi did not play, and they still got up 41-14, to 14, or was it worse? Was it 46-14? 41-10. 41-10. 41-10. They were down 31 points. It was 42-17 after one. It set a whole bunch of records, but we don't want to focus too much on this game because um, it really, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't mean that much. It um, doesn't matter. We'll talk about the Lakers a little bit later when Dave gets here. You said, in the grand scheme of things, this game doesn't matter. How many games has to have to be played before you decide something matters? Good question. Ohm, how many games have to be played Good before question. something matters? Uh, I would probably say... I'm going to go with like 45, 40, 40 to 45. I want to say 10. Good grief. 10. 45 how games many games have the Lakers played? 10. Oh, interesting. Um... I think so. The Raptors. I think you. That's true. I think you know a lot about a team twenty games in. Twenty games officially. I would. I would agree. No, Quarter we're, of the season. No, but remember when the Nets under under a kid and Garnett and Pierce? What what was that start that they got? It was horrible. Uh, but that was past twenty games. It was past twenty games. They and were they, 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 they were very bad. Yeah. But uh, that also was a very strange season on a lot of levels. Yeah. Including. But uh, ending, for the most part, you're right, Brian. You will know yeah, most teams, but but it's not. It's not. An, it's not a uniform rule. Because, like, the Lakers, for example, could be a lot different as a team, yeah. even their makeup as a team, come February. I think you know a good amount about a team 10 games in, and I think a quarter of the 20 games in, I think, is when you have a really solid a really solid handle. I also think that the 20-game thing is something that front offices kind of do because, yeah. well, now we start early because trade season really begins December 15th. That is when all the guys who sign in free agency are able to be traded. Usually it's roughly... 25% of the league. And so you can't trade them before then. So it's kind of hard to do some trades. Right. So usually about December 15th is usually around the 20 to 25 game mark. Well, now we start in mid-October. It's a little actually more than that. Um, but usually that's where the, you know, when trade season begins, trade season goes from December 15th to the first week of February when the trade deadline is. And that's the 20 game usually mark. Well, now it's more. So that's two months, right? February, mid-February to mid-December. Yeah, it's two months. I, 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 20 games. Like I feel like you, you could be in a relationship with somebody. You wouldn't even know that person after two months. You're still well, getting to know them. this just took a very interesting <laughs> turn. I, I Hard just, right. I don't feel like uh, in the first week of November we have. there's anything that you can say for sure, other than the, the Warriors are really good. Um, and the Raptors are really good. The Raptors are really good, although... Oh, Mr. Bontemps said to me tonight that the Raptors are the team that's going to come out of the East and will be in the NBA Finals. That's my belief. I think they're so the best team not, in the East. It's not even that hot of a take. I think they're the best team in the East. Right Obviously, now, there's, the, a, there's a certain right extenuating circumstance involving a very long, lanky forward who is missing games here and there. But if he's healthy and they're healthy, I think they're the best team. I mean, you still have a coach who's never been there before, and you also have a team that's never really gotten over the hump before. And I get it. DeMar DeRozan's gone, and you've got like a new star there, but... 
I don't know. I mean, the, the, the cast around them, yes, they are deep. They have young guys who learned last year, and LeBron is not in the East. Yep. But I still, until I, I, I've just seen, I've been bitten too many times by the Toronto Raptors. That's fair. I've seen too many failures in the postseason. So, and I know I probably sound Canadian right now, because, you know, <laughs> when you're there in that crowd, you, you can feel their angst. Yeah, it's true. You're absolutely right about that. That's so, very true. Last year, the Cavs played the Raptors. The Raptors, I can't, I, wanted, I can't remember what time of the year it was. I want to say it was January or something like that. The Raptors were off to their great start. They were headed towards the number one seed. How, yep. many, how many games did they win? They won 59 games. 59. So they were you know, on their way to a 60-win type season. And I remember standing in the Cavs locker room, and I was standing with one of their veterans. And he was holding the box score from that night. The Cavs had won. Because they had been killed. The first time they played the Raptors, the Raptors beat them by 35. And the guy's going down the list of the names of the Raptors team. And he's saying, do you trust this guy in the playoffs? No. Do you trust this guy? No. Do you trust this guy? Eh. Do you trust this guy? Okay, I trust this guy. And we really only had like two and a half names. And it was really two and a quarter almost, because it depends on where you put Serge Ibaka, right? And when it came down to it, that was damn accurate. Okay, so now let's look at the Raptors roster. I will look at it now. How many guys do we trust that we know that we trust in the playoffs? Well... I'm trusting Kawhi Leonard, the man's finals MVP. Yep. I'm trusting Kyle Lowry. You are. I'm, hell yeah. He, he, I know that he's had some variants, but I know he's going to bring it. He's going to play his heart out. I also think for Kyle, personally, I think the fact that they now have a definitive number one guy and it's not him and DeMar like co-leading, I think will help a lot in the playoffs. That's an interesting point. He can point. fall right in line behind Kawhi. I'm putting Danny Green as somebody I can I mean he, 100, he's 100% he's not gonna like carry your team but he's not gonna be afraid of the moment ever. right okay I mean, that's, he was on track to win a finals MVP <laughs> it felt to me like he didn't miss for six weeks during that finals mm-hmm. alright now now we get into the gray area can you count on Serge Ibaka He's playing. I'll tell you what, Serge Ibaka, Serge Ibaka at the five has been a revelation. He's been year. awesome. He was awesome in tonight's game. Last year, I looked at OG Ananobi and said, I don't can't count on him as a rookie. He was really good in the playoffs last he year. Was. So I look at OG Ananobi and say, That's, we've gone from a definite no into the gray area. Already, look how much different the Raptors are. And let's keep in mind that they are, in most situations, are going to have the best player, unlike when they played LeBron. And I'm not there with Pascal Siakam. Oh, come on. You have to well, trust Pascal I, Siakam. I don't trust <laughs> all him. You do, all you do is go around and tout him as, well, I, as a future DPOI. Well, I like his game <laughs> a lot, but I'm not there yet. But but even, you know, grading is – I'm trying to grade hard there. Even there, I think we've, we've, we've come a long way for Toronto. And the Kawhi edition – like it's almost like a worth a player and a half. Yeah, and that's a team that's going to be a lot better, I think, in May and June than now because all these young guys are all going to be a lot better. Siakam's going to be a lot better. Ananobi's going to be a lot better. They have all these young guys that they, they barely play together. The, tonight they played one game with everybody on the roster. That was Friday in Phoenix. Well, the other they're thing nine too and is one in obliterating teams. Last season, the Raptors relied on their bench a lot, where a lot of these guys were residing. So it's not like they're new to the league or nope. don't have a lot. Right. of Right. I'm just saying, like you know, you, you 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 didn't look at them and say, okay, I fear. And this was what the Cavs looked at them. Quite, I mean, clearly, they didn't fear them. So I also believe that at some point this year, the Raptors will add another player. Whether it's through buyout, whether it's through trade, they have, they have they have chips to play, yeah, for sure. And I think that if they smell, and here's the other chance. here's the other thing too, Toronto and Milwaukee are going to have the two best records in the East because they're teams that are built for the regular season that are going to rack up a ton of wins. And Boston, in particular, um, is a team that's going to need a long time to sort stuff out. Kyrie Irving's been up and down. Gordon Hayward has a long way to go to get back to the player he's going to be. And maybe the Celtics have the highest ceiling if everything clicks right. But if they're in a playoff series and they're having to go play a decisive game on the road, especially in Toronto, we've I seen really, you and I have seen Toronto lose well, a game seven. We have. How many players on the Bucks do you look at and say I trust that guy in the postseason? It's not that many. Well, I, let's be honest. How many guys? How many guys on the Celtics do you look well, at and really feel that a, way about? There's too? a couple. There's a couple. There's a couple. But there's it, a lot of guys you have question game, marks about there too. If they're in a game seven in Toronto, uh, you know, and, and like we've said, Toronto has had a history 
of not coming through sometimes in big games. Uh, but the difference is now Toronto legitimately has an MVP on the team. An MVP candidate-type player on the team. If he's healthy. And also, well, there's a, there, listen, there's a, big, there's a big question mark about the coaching staff, about the head coach who's – this is his first time going through all of this. I mean, you know? Now, perhaps maybe you say maybe that's the, that's the big change in Toronto, that perhaps they needed that change with Dwayne from Dwayne Casey to this, and maybe this guy will get them over the hump. We don't know well, that. Nick Nurse has done a great job, but I really think the Kawhi thing is, I think, just think the, I think the it's biggest difference. probably Kawhi. Yeah, I mean, look, the Raptors were a team that had a really good uh, ensemble of talent, but didn't have the guy that you looked at and said, that guy's going to go win me a game in the playoffs, right? Whether it was DeMar, whether it was Kyle, they, they just didn't have it. Like, they, they would kind of grind out these series, even against crappy teams, and would get by, but they did it by the skin of their teeth. And Kawhi Leonard... Went toe-to-toe with LeBron at, what, 22 in the finals? And was finals MVP. Like, that's a guy the Raptors have never had. Well, and to your point, in a series in the playoffs, if you have if the two teams are even and you have the best player, generally you're going to win. That's what the Raptors have seen with LeBron year after year. Right. Now they have the best player. Um, what were Kyle Lowry's stats tonight? Kyle had 21, 15, and 6. 15 assists. Yeah, 21, I believe it's his ninth game out of 10 games with double-digit assists. 3 for 7 from 3. Uh, one turnover. He was think, plus 26. I think it's I think <laughs> Kyle said he was plus 31 in the first quarter. Kyle, uh, Kyle, Kyle has double-digit assists in 9 out of 10 games, I believe. So I talked to Kyle after the game. I said, Kyle, that was a pretty good one tonight. And he goes, I don't care. Never too high, never too low. I just care about how I feel in June. They said June. I love that guy. They're, they're locked in. And if you talk, just being around the Raptors the last couple of days, settling the new job, like universally everybody is talking about how good of a place Kyle's in. And right. How good he feels about this. And I just think that, he, but his point is the same is that, you know, don't, you know I'm not going to get excited about being 9 and 1. We have a place we have to get to, and we're, we're, we're still. Right. On he got asked. He got asked something on Friday in Phoenix. Friday morning, somebody asked him about. Uh, I, I remember exactly what the question was. It was about how good the Raptors can be, and he said, "I haven't won a championship yet. I'm still trying to figure things out." The Raptors so are in a weird place at. where they have the only thing that they can prove is in the postseason, but because they have new pieces and a new coach. They quasi have things that they need to work. Well, listen, on the Raptors hear what all these. The Raptors hear what everybody says. The Raptors know everybody thinks oh, that the they're going to fall you, apart. The thing yeah. that they do is they listen. Yeah, yeah. They, they know they hear they know all the criticisms that are out. Definitely, there. Definitely, Masai does. The, all of them do. They they know what they know what's out there. So I think the the thing with uh, Toronto that they've done this year, just schematically, um, they've basically taken you know Serge the last couple of years has been like. Go be a stretch four man. Go shoot threes in the corner. And they said, you know, Nick Nurse has said, you know what, you're going to go back to playing center. And so they have Jonas Valanciunas come off the bench. Or they've been flip flopping. They flip flop, but they Depending play on the matchup. But they play opposite. They don't play together anymore. No. Both and, exclusively playing five. And and that seems like a minor. But you know, that's the one thing you learn about talking to NBA guys. Because the, the the type of guys he's covering a lot of times as the five man is not that different than he comes the four. But it makes a huge difference to those guys. The difference between guarding the four and guarding the five, when you talk to guys in this league, they will go chapter and verse on this. I remember Anthony Davis was talking to me about this a couple of weeks ago, about just how much of a difference it makes. He goes, you feel it in your legs because the guys are leaning against you and they're going up under you, etc. And certain for Surge, the difference, you know, not strength, Defensively, he's how he's had that, but his comfort level and where he is on the court. Yep. What surges three pointers per game this it's, year? It's, he's year? down under three. He's down from the pass by a lot. And the thing that's smart about what the Raptors are doing, to your point about it wearing on guys, is um, because they're alternating out Valanciunas and Ibaka. Like Friday, they play Phoenix. They've got Aiton. They start Valanciunas tonight. Right. The Lakers start Javale. They start Ibaka. So he's just basically Serge is only playing against either. Bouncy, like lighter him, guys or small be, guys, and then he's obliterated. Uh, Surge two point six three point three point attempts going into tonight. That is, he has not averaged that low since fifteen sixteen with right. OKC. Yep. Last year he took three point nine. When, when was his last good year? 
Um, probably, 24 probably 15, 16. 16, 17, he shot 39.8%. His last year in Oklahoma City, he kind of started tailing a little bit. He tailed a lot last yeah. year in Oklahoma City. Yeah. And they moved on from him. Right, uh, yeah. Brian, uh, we know what Tim thinks about Toronto, but if I gave you the choice right now that the Eastern Conference Finals will be Toronto-Milwaukee or Boston-Philadelphia on November 4th, you would say... <laughs> well, I would say I don't make predictions, Andrew. Huh? You would say, which tickets are you booking? <laughs> Um, let's put it this way. Um, I have finals hotel reservations in both Boston and Toronto. You're such a savvy veteran. <laughs> such a savvy veteran. I had him in, I had him in Boston also, and I had to cancel him. So I'll be Can now. we let the collective uh, hoop groupies know what hotel? No. No, <laughs> no we, we definitely can't. You crazy? I will say this. As somebody who watched Raptor, uh, Bucks Celtics in person the other day, I, I, I'm very curious to see what that series would look like because – it's a really interesting contrast in styles. You watch that game. Uh, somebody with the Celtics mentioned this to me after the game. Mike Budenholzer has now allowed the three highest three-point shooting games in NBA history. The Cavs had 25 threes twice I against the Hawks. I was there. And then they had the Celtics had 24 threes the other night. The reason that happened was because Mike Budenholzer, when the Celtics started making shots early, did not change his defense. He said, we are not going to let the Celtics get to the rim. We're just going to let them bomb away from three. And I think the Celtics had 11 attempts in the paint or at the rim in the game, but they went 24 for 55 from three. And meanwhile, and the they Celtics won by what? Four. Right. And the Celtics were the opposite, where the Celtics said, we're just going to let Giannis drive to the rim time and again. And Giannis had like 32 and 12 and was destroying people. But they stayed at home on all the shooters. Chris Middleton was terrible. Um, Brooke Lopez didn't make any plays. And. Uh, you know, Milwaukee didn't have enough shooting right. around him to end up winning that I'm game. I'm sure Brad Stevens would much rather give up a two than a three. Sure. Well, that was, that's but exactly what the, the thinking was. you have to say that the Bucks didn't exactly walk away from that game feeling too bad about themselves. No. I, th- I think Boston would win that series, though, at least right now, because Milwaukee, Milwaukee has some structural issues when they play Boston. Brooke Lopez is not going to be able to play in a playoff series. That's going to hurt them. Um, they, they, need, they need one more piece. At some point. Dave just texted me saying he's on his way over from Staples Center. He had um, some TV duties tonight. So before he gets here, I just want to squeeze in some talk about the Wizards. They got their second win uh, this season tonight against the Knicks. I guess it was this afternoon. Uh, they had to work really hard for it, though. Um, and they were play- – they, they were, they were, I was watching some of the game. They were really having to push. They ended up winning comfortably. Um, Ohm, you know the Wizards well. Uh, I've seen him. I've talked to him a week ago. A week ago tonight, actually, it feels like it's gotten worse since yeah. then. What do you, um, what do you see in there? I mean, I just feel like they didn't really. Last season, at the end of the season, when John Wall basically was like, "We need to get rid of the people who don't want to be here," and that seemed to be like a message toward Marching Gortat, telling management to make some changes. I just don't think they made enough changes to the dynamics in that locker room. I just don't think that as much as I was always a fan of the Wall-Beal combo, um, I just don't see it working. And I just don't think that Dwight Howard makes things any better. I think it makes things worse. Well, I feel like Dwight Howard, the basketball player, makes things better. Dwight Howard, the personality, makes things way worse. Because the thing that they need is rim protection and a guy that's going to roll hard to the rim and... They also, without Dwight, when he's been hurt this year, been like the worst rebounding team in like the NBA history. Yeah, but you're, so. also the, you're also hoping that Dwight Howard still doesn't think of himself at times as he thinks that he could be a top option. Oh, again, Dwight Howard, the basketball player, not Dwight Howard, the personality. Which sometimes the two intersect. But I mean, like I talked to one Portland assistant while I was up in Portland who was saying that you know the Blazers had lost to them, I believe, right in overtime. Yes, and was like that was that was uh, Washington's only yeah, win until today. We should have had that game, and basically was like. Washington, a lot of a lot of coaches I've talked to. Whenever Washington comes up, they just talk about how much of a mess it is and what what is Washington going to do. And then everybody mentions Scott Brooks is making too much money, but Ernie Grunfeld is a survivor, and so something needs to change basically in Washington. So it's hard to argue that at <laughs> two and eight, and things looking like they're going off the rails. But beyond their interpersonal issues, which obviously exist, they're defending like dogs like a dog and so until you get that and this is you know I don't want to fast forward into the Lakers too much but until you start defending both schematically and individually um, you have to 
you have to have your your you know what together on defense, and, that, and I think that's where the Wizards could start. And today, I didn't see the game, but they did only give up ninety five points, I think. And but to the Knicks, which but even really still, count. dude, they like I and agree. I know, I know they've been giving well up taken. a billion points to everybody. Your point is well taken. I agree. However, it they is had a to start. start somewhere. It is a start. It is a start. But you talk to people around the league, though, and it, the, the recurring theme is that they do have to blow everything up there. There's a there's a good line yesterday from um, uh, you. St- you pronounce this. You, you sent this to me. How do you pronounce this? Ben Standig. That's what I thought. Ben Standig from NBC Sports Washington. Um, he <laughs> he had an incredible thing. So yesterday the. Um, um, the Washington Go-Go. Is it one of the... Yes. Capital City Go-Go. Capital yeah. City Go-Go. That's NBA's their new newest G League team. team. The new G League And you know team. what Go-Go is. It's Go-Go Music. Okay. DC has their own little thing called Home Go-Go from, Music. Almost basically from DC. Yes. You claim to be from DC. I am from DC. I was born in Georgetown Hospital. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you lived in Maryland. I, I did no. I did move to Maryland at about six or seven. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll give you... But, you know, we, we all think of ourselves as DMV, so... So I will, right. I will read this tweet from Ben. Um... So they had their their first ever game yesterday, which is at the Wizards practice. They're playing at the Wizards practice facility. Hmm. That's interesting. As, as the Lakers do. Yeah, here. It's oh, very right. curious. Lakers. Uh, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver is attending tonight's Capital City Go Go first ever game. I asked him what he thinks of the rise in the NBA scoring this season. Wizards owner Ted Leonsis jumped in. They just have to play us. <laughs> and while I credit Ted for his. Candor. Candor. I think that shows what he's thinking, which is, you know. For this season, defense. Ted Leonsis said the Wizards should win 50 games and make the conference finals. I think they're going to clean house if they have a bad year. But if they clean house, well, are they cleaning house like the head coach and the players, or are they cleaning I house think, Ernie? I think everybody at the top will be gone. I didn't. I, I could be wrong about that. It would not be the first. Ted has been very reticent, both with the Capitals and with the Wizards, to remove, remove executives. Ernie's been there the whole time he's on the team. Uh, he's Ernie, changed. Ernie's general, been there eighteen years, yeah, right? He's changed general managers once in the two decades he's owned the Capitals, and that was several years ago. Um, he's not done that very often. However, he, Ernie has only kind of survived the last couple times with one-year extensions, and I think Ted is spending luxury tax money the, past, the last year and this year. Um, the, you know, and I think he has high expectations. Clearly, and if the Wizards say finish eighth again or don't make the playoffs or. Losing the first round, I just let, think, this, that, I think that, things are going to start. Let, we can go through nuanced takes sure. for a while here, but let's just get cut to the chase. What the fans want to know? Sure. Um, are they trading? Will they trade Bradley Beal this year? Well, I don't know if they'll trade anybody this year. However, I think that anybody in the league with young assets should be calling the Wizards and giving up the farm for Bradley Beal. If I was the Lakers, I would give up whatever it took. To get Bradley Beal, Bradley I would think be he's literally uh, the perfect guy. Bradley would be pretty nice fit. Hello, Dave. I think Bradley oh. Beal would be the perfect guy to I was play just with the Lakers. Say come find him. I think if the Sixers get serious about getting a third guy, I think he'd be the perfect guy to play with Simmons and Embiid. Um, any any of these teams, any of these teams with young assets to burn and the chance to go like have a to add a key piece of their roster. I think Bradley Beal would be and a grand and, slam addition, and I, I do think Ted—that's I mean, the guy that they would trade, right? I mean, well, I, I well, think maybe John I Wall think too. That John Wall's a guy. I I was talking to somebody about this before the game, and but I, you recognize John Wall's contract. Well, yes. but that's why I think the model for this for Brad has is, a big contract too. I think the model not well, as big as Wall. Yeah. John's every team in the league would trade for Brad's contract. I think the model for this to me is when Danny Ferry took over the Hawks in 2012, and what was the first thing he did? He traded Joe Johnson, Johnson for basically nothing. Dave had uh, a lot of extra work tonight this Laker game. We, Dave, we had, had no Laker talk because we, we talked about the Raptors. You, Dave. We waited for you, Dave. Oh, wow. I thought Ohm would be holding down the fort. No. All right. Um, Dave and Ohm are Lakers beat writers, but certainly know the whole league. We're also going to have some Cavs talk, hmm. Dave. <laughs> I'm sharpening my knife. Let's do this. <laughs> um, so the Lakers are 10 games in. I mean, tonight's game, playing the second night of a back-to-back. They get boat raced in the first quarter. I'm not going to overreact to it. Sure, LeBron didn't play in the fourth, which was fine. I don't, I don't care. People, other people can focus on that. They're ten games in. They had suspensions. They've had a really 
reasonably tough schedule. Reasonably tough schedule because I've had some tough road games. I've had to play two games in Portland, which I don't think anyone's played two games right. in Portland. Ten games in. Um, what's your What's your opinion of them in ten, four and six, ten games in? They need more consistency out of the young core, especially if you aren't going to get the A plus plus out of LeBron at this stage of the season. Not that you aren't going to get it at some point this year, but LeBron. Had an atypical summer. He moved his entire family halfway across the country. I don't think he came in at his peak optimal shape. Didn't really play much in the preseason. He's still getting to where he can be. And if he's not going to just carry this group, then there needs to be nights where you're getting. And we've seen flashes. We've seen Josh Hart look really good. We've seen Kuzma look really good. Uh, Ingram has not been consistent enough, and he's someone I believe a lot in. uh, Just haven't seen it yet. And then Lonzo has floated in and out of games, and, and that can't happen. I mean, not that he doesn't have to score a ton of points, but, I mean, uh, part of their roster makeup is they don't have enough size, and they're going to address that with Tyson Chandler, but that hasn't been the case, so you need to have your guards crash, and he's actually a great rebounding guard, and we haven't seen that. That's true. His, his numbers. What are his rebounding numbers this year? He's averaging 4.8 rebounds a game. How far is that down from last year? That's got to be a full rebound. At least a couple. He was up around six or seven last year. I think. Yeah. That, you know, it's interesting. I hadn't even thought about that, but now that I you know notice watching these games, I don't. You don't see the rebounding and running as much as mm-hmm. like he did all. I was like, but the best thing he did last right. year. Right. I mean, the shooting's gotten better. I mean, yeah, and we have forty-one percent from three. That's yeah, we, excellent. We have That's enough exactly of a sample need. size to say that you know that there's a trend there. But outside of that, he's disappointed me a little bit. He just doesn't. Put on the floor and, and go to the hoop as much as I'd expected him to. Like, Especially I, I thought, since he's bigger. Now. Right. I, I think. Uh, I think the young guys are feeling pressure. I think they feel the pressure of LeBron being here. They're trying to figure out how they can fit in with LeBron. I think they feel LeBron watching them. I think they feel everybody else watching them. Um, even in the last minutes, where you see Brandon Ingram get the ball, and then he, you know, he has a turnover where he just travels. Um, they're trust, I don't think there is a comfort level at all with the young guys, and that's not to blame anything on LeBron. I think they've put a lot of expectations and, and pressure on themselves. They may not admit it, but it, they do not look comfortable at all. Um, Josh is like, for example, Josh started off well, but now all of a sudden they're playing Josh as almost like a backup power forward because Kuzma's starting, because Kuzma feels more comfortable, I think. They know because Kuzma's better LeBron starting. Because play power forward. Like, I'm, just, like, I'm not going to overreact to a game in November, okay? okay? I'm just, whatever. But, like, tonight, for example, Ibaka, and it just, you know, it's Ibaka tonight, but it could be something else. Ibaka is going off. He's killing Kuzma. They're getting beat on switches. Ideally, in that situation, you would put LeBron in position to defend Ibaka. And obviously, there's going to be screens, and they're going to force switches and everything like that. But you can put him on the guy that they're screening, and you can. They LeBron doesn't is not interested in taking that challenge at this point yet. And I don't blame him for that. I'm not saying like yeah, he's got to pace himself. I'm, I'm not saying he should. I'm just saying though that like you put Kuzma on Ibaka, and then and you, they force switches, and he's got a smaller guy. You, know, you have to expect to get. To get taken advantage of. He had a couple dis- disinterested looking moments tonight. Not like in terms of like he was checked out of the game, just he made poor decisions. There was a switch where he had Kyle Corver then on the perimeter and Kyle he started. Lowry. Oh, yeah. Geez. It's nice you say that because. Wow, we Tur- are going to get into Tur- the Cavs. Toronto talk. was a potential <laughs> Kyle Corver destination. Yes. Yeah. I'm, at least I didn't do the Cavs Lakers. I've done that a few times already. But. Oh, I'm doing it all the time. <laughs> I bet you are. Uh, but I, I said heat. In 2014, I said yeah. Heat instead of Cavs for like six months. Now I'm Cavs instead of Lakers. Well, I mean, LeBron's first year in Cleveland, he set a screen on Delhi. <laughs> that was, amazing. was his teammate. That, remember, oh, he yeah, like, I forgot about that. That's, that was he had like moment. some preposterous, like he shamed the media, like, you guys don't know what a flare screen or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he right. like, like, come on. <laughs> uh, but he switched on to he Lowry. Was, he was playing the Heat that night. Absolutely, yes. Exactly. And he basically like zoned out for a second. Looked at a Cavs player as an opponent versus a like teammate. He set a screen for Norris Cole on Matthew Delavis. Right. <laughs> It was in the Good context there. It was in the preseason. So he switches on to Lowry tonight and then kind of crashed a little bit to double Bach, I think, when he was making his move. Lowry s- slipped baseline right behind him and got a wide open layup. And that was him. Was, that, was that when Kuz and Josh literally they barked at each other a little bit? Uh, I'm not sure the fallout after yeah, that. That was in the first half, right? Yeah, it was in the yeah. first half. And there was another but play in later. the first quarter when you know the, the Raptors were already putting the pressure on. LeBron throws a behind-the-back pass from the three-point line 
to Brandon Ingram that goes out of bounds. I mean, those are like if Ingram caught it and made a lip, be spectacular on his all-time highlight reel. But you know, there just wasn't a total full execution out of him nor the rest of the team tonight. I would say the Lakers, from my viewpoint, and you know, I've been at three of their games. I'm not in the locker room at all, really. Um, I'm reading what you guys write, reading other people write. From my viewpoint, the Lakers, the way they're structured, have to give like huge effort defensively. They have got to, because of their shortcomings, and like, you know, they signed Tyson Chandler. That will help them. That was a nice addition. What I would say is, why are they just now addressing that? Mm-hmm. Maybe one thing if, like, well, Magic took over the team in September and, you know, he couldn't, you know, he was locked in. They didn't have any cap space or, they, you know, they, but, I mean, they had a blank slate. Yeah. Like, they are addressing a deficiency that they over there, they created. But they, in my mind, when I watch them defensively, they have to just pour out energy to get it done. And they are not in the – they are not – position to pour out energy because LeBron's not going to pour out energy, and therefore their margin for error is thin defensively. And one of the reasons why JaVale stands out is because one thing JaVale does, in fact, the best is he expends energy. He stands out so well because he's expending that energy. So to me... And he's been erasing a lot of their issues at the rim as much as he can. So to me, the other thing is, as everybody in the league has said, JaVale's playing more minutes than he's played Almost ever. Yeah, he's yeah. got to go back to his third or fourth year in yeah, the league. Yeah, and he is. Which one of you guys wrote the story about the asthma? What did he say about the asthma? Oh, he basically said that he wanted to change the narrative. He felt that people almost he almost was incredulous that he thinks people have made up this asthma thing to lower his value. And so we said, "Well, you do have asthma, you know." And he was like, "Yeah." He goes, "But I take medicine for it, so I don't." You know, he's like, I take medicine or I'm fine. Right. And he goes, at, so we said, well, where did this come from? And he said, it had to come from Denver. But if you play in Denver, you got to deal with the altitude, too. Right. And Let's he just goes, be honest. JaVale, JaVale's not played 20 minutes a game in several years because JaVale McGee isn't good. And like, he isn't good? You watch Lakers this year? He's been, <laughs> listen, here's, no, he's been. Like, now, how do you say he's not good? Okay. JaVale has not been good the past several years. And I will say, as somebody who has been openly a JaVale hater, He's been way better than I ever could have imagined this season. Dave, how many games do you need before you start making uh, decisions on the season? 30. But JaVale's good today. Well, I mean, you say decisions on the season. Like, I mean, like, where the teams are going to go, if they're a playoff team right. or not. I was, all I was trying to say JaVale was McGee, JaVale, JaVale has a long track record the past several years of being not good. Uh, that's true, but you so, can't say that JaVale hasn't been good. He's been good these first ten no, years. No, no, I'm saying, I'm saying JaVale claiming that there was a, a, a like, a hit out on him because he had to, like, lower oh, his value by yeah, saying he had asthma. That's yes, not the reason that, he didn't that's a, play that's more a, in the past. That's a fair point. And, and he's, Luke, been very, he's been way better than I ever would have imagined for And if you wonder, like, why, like Luke explained, had a great explanation to us the other day about, like, how, why he plays JaVale the way he does, where he pulls JaVale out after, like, five, six minutes. He said he talked to a bunch of coaches when they got JaVale, guys that had coached JaVale, and basically said, that's how much you can play him. you got to play him in five-minute spurts because he expends too much energy. But my point is, like... When people out there in the league look at what's going on with JaVale right now, they say, can JaVale play this many minutes for 80 games? JaVale played 615 minutes last year. He's already played 262. Right, okay. So he has a definitely well, – there were whole times where JaVale was, like, not even – you know, in the rotation, like he, there was a yeah. whole playoff series where he didn't right. play, and and yet through until tonight, you could make the argument that outside of LeBron, Javale McGee might have been the most like most indispensable Laker. Well, I just think that the, but my point, the point I'm making is that they are they are challenged defensively, and the guy who has been carrying them defensively is doing it at a level that he has not done in a long time. Yeah. So it's a little bit worrisome, right? And I think Tim said this earlier tonight that they are getting this play from Javale. And that they are four and six, and the twenty second in defense still is worrisome. Um, and he's been great. Like, I, like I, I, he's been way better than I ever would have imagined. Like, he's honestly. He's I don't been, know what you do to fit. I mean, I, I mean, I think LeBron James' team's ceiling for defense, if he's still going to continue to play thirty six, thirty seven minutes a night, right. is fifteen. You're so, right about that. well, and the problem with this Laker team is they just don't like. Who are the plus defenders on the team? Josh Hart. 
Josh Hart for sure. Lonzo. Well, Lonzo's Lonzo can be, but his effort's been all over well, the Rondo place. Well, Rondo is supposed to be. Well, Rondo hasn't yeah. been in years. Rondo Ron hasn't been in years. Yeah. KCP is average. Kentavious, I he guess. He hasn't made any shots. This is the thing about Kentavious. When I was talking to I was talking to a personnel guy the other day about him, because quite frankly, he looks like a guy who could possibly be traded. He can't be traded until December. Mm-hmm. Well, if the Lakers make a swing this year, he's going to definitely be traded as a guy with a big expiring the for ch- sure. The challenge is for the Lakers – they can't take any money back, so they got to trade expiring for expiring. Well, unless they get a star, right? You're right. But I was like talking to somebody deal. about Kentavious's value, and what they were saying is, when he played in Detroit, he was an in, he was an inconsistent shooter, but he always worked on the defensive yeah. end. Yeah. So he doesn't work on the defensive end anymore. I, well, I think a couple things this season. One, I think he came into the season with a tendonitis issue in his knee, which I think is bothering him a little bit more than people think. Number two, I think he 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 does not feel as involved as he wants to be, and I think that has affected his mentality. Yeah, in Detroit, he was playing 35 minutes a game because he was their starting shooting guard. Last season, and he was playing a ton of Well, but all of a sudden, Josh Hart was here. He was like yeah. in and out for minutes, and now he's like... You know, he's yeah. not he's going off the bench. Well, the Lakers really stood by this guy. Yeah, I mean, he was starting this to begin the season. I mean, but the whole the thing last year where he was in the the probably know. should have taken right. five for eighty two summers ago. Probably should. The guy has made thirty million. He's making thirty million dollars in the last two years. During one of the, I'm um, getting back to ten nights thing. This is I had it in my notebook. This is the perfect time to talk about it. I've never seen something like this on the bench before the game, getting ready to play an NBA basketball game. He's wearing a rubber medical glove. And rubbing ointment into his knee. Yes, was, yeah. is it was that bizarre some, to see. Trainers never, like, like wow. you, he was doing it himself. He's yeah. actually wearing yeah. a rubber glove. Yeah, and if you watch the, the trainers, ointment, if you watch Contavious uh, before and after a game, he like it's almost like a Mari Stoudemire toward the end of his career. He's got those you Jeez. know things on his legs, the inflatable things, whatever. He's uh, basically Tech, I think, taking yeah. care of his body as if he's like ten years older. Well, that's probably good, but yeah, it reminds me. I won't say which team it was, but there's this team, and maybe all these teams do it. I just haven't seen it. But there was this team a couple years ago I was covering, not on an everyday basis. It was not the Cavs. It was in a playoff series. And right before the start of the game, their trainer would put on a rubber glove, and he would put some sort of substance on his finger. You're pointing your finger at me. <laughs> it's very disturbing. I'm, I'm, I'm demonstrating. <laughs> yeah. And he would hold his finger, and all the players would smell it. It was oh, some yeah? sort of smelling mm-hmm. salt. Huh. Yeah. I've never seen that before. I've seen that before. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, well, like, like, just to, like, basically jolt them. That's what I needed before this podcast. A lot of NFL players do that. Okay. Yeah. I've never seen that before. So, Bontemps has a story out right now. They're out. Right out. Now. Stories out. How many stories have you written so far already? A few. Nice. What does the story say? What is the gist of the story? Uh, it's about Kawhi and next summer and how, um, despite the fact that he's a guy from Southern California and both the Southern California teams have cap space next summer and are extremely interested in adding him as a free agent, that uh, the Raptors feel good about their chances of trying to keep him and how, um, you know, I think. You know, talking to people around the league, the Lakers are going to have an uphill battle on a variety of fronts if they're going to try to add him as a free agent. Why? Why? A lot of people that you talk to, or basically everybody I talk to, thinks that he would prefer to have his own team as opposed to playing with LeBron, and that that puts the Clippers in the lead in terms of trying to get him. Mm -hmm. And you talk to a lot of people also, and they just think that he's going to really like playing in Toronto. And that, like, when you... You look at how good. I mean, obviously the Raptors put on a show tonight with him sitting out, but right. um, they've got a GM in Masai Ujiri who is frankly going to do everything to court him that the Spurs would not. They have a huge market. They have a team that's got a chance to go to the finals. And you know, you look at like being the face of a team in Toronto. You can make a ton of money off the court and have a lot of opportunities that um, you know they're going to spend the next six People months don't showing know that about Toronto. I feel like the NBA the NBA players don't know about Toronto. Yeah, NBA players don't know. <laughs> they, well, know they, know, they know all about NBA Toronto. NBA players love Toronto. They know about... There's an awesome Stephen A. Smith rant. Yes, there Toronto. is. They know it's about amazing. what it's like to spend time in Toronto. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't think they understand well, the and market. Look, and and not to market. bring it back to the Lakers a little bit, 
you know, when Paul George got traded to the Thunder, everybody was sure he was going to sign with the Lakers in a year. It was just like, oh, he's going to go to OKC. They'll try to keep him, and then he'll he'll. I just leave. don't know if you can be sure of anything in November, though. No, I know, but I, just the fact that the fact from the Raptors' standpoint, the Raptors will say, hey, look. The Thunder got Paul George to stay in Oklahoma City on a team that lost in the first round of the playoffs I mean, that's and true. commit to stay in there. And we have a chance to go to the finals in an awesome city, we think, and with a young team that's built to be good for a long time. Well, the interesting so we feel good about it. It's in the story that you have is that Kawhi basically disavowing Lakers fandom, even though he was a kid when the Lakers were winning three peats. He was an Island Iverson fan. Right. Which I didn't get to ask him if that was that's, because that's of the corner. That's stunning. I mean, he's from Riverside. Yeah. yeah. So he must have loved when uh, when AI stepped over Ty. Yeah. Oh, there he is, Ty Lu making a debut on this Brings episode it in. of the podcast. But no, I, I just I, it w- it's just very interesting talking to people that, it, for one thing, that Kawhi seems to be a guy that views himself on the same level as a guy like LeBron James and wants mm-hmm. to have his own team and does not want to be somebody's sidekick, um, which Toronto can also offer him. But that and that also. Is, gives the Clippers potentially a leg up. I, Kyle Lowry is looking at him sideways right now when he hears that. I, I have a I think question. Kyle, we were talking about this earlier. I think Kyle Lowry is very happy to fall in line. I, 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 I've been wondering this, and I've been talking to people around the league about this, which sounds like, are the Lakers going to have a problem with finding someone who wants to be the number two to LeBron? And it sounds like they might. Well, I, I just think they're, if you look at the well, – just I don't even know if it's necessarily that. I think if you look at the landscape right now, next summer, right – their options are not as diverse as people would think. Well, yeah, but I just think the Lakers have a lot going for them. Yes, they do. They have the city of Los Angeles. So they have Clips. LeBron James. Right. Clippers they have that. LeBron and Kobe. Because, you know, a, a lot of players can be divided between LeBron and Kobe. Mm-hmm. They can call on both of them. They, not, have, they have magic. But like I'm saying, like, but, no, but here's the thing: there though. still is a divide between Kobe and LeBron. No, I mean, no, look at the murals and everything. But here's like the thing: no, no, no. Here's I'm the talking thing about right. to recruit. But look the to next summer, though. Look to next summer, right? Let's say, let's say, look to the cookie. Let's say, <laughs> let's say Kawhi. <laughs> let's say Kawhi doesn't want to play. Outdated, apparently. Let's say Kawhi doesn't want to play. Let's say Kawhi stays in Toronto. Just, to, just for, just for saying it. Okay. But cheers anyway. That was very good. <laughs> that was very good. Uh, Kevin Durant can't go play with LeBron, in my opinion. Because if you're going to leave the Warriors, to go team up with LeBron is not, to me, solving anything. Yes, if you're trying Ke- to change your If Kevin Durant goes image. to the late, to the Knicks, it's a victory for the Lakers. No, it is, but except that he isn't signing with the Lakers. Well, that's true. That's, that's the I'm ultimate victory. But that's right. That, the second place victory would be that. Clay Thompson would be, I think, the perfect guy to play with LeBron. However, I and I would be very surprised if he leaves Golden State unless they. Try not to unless they mess around with him next summer, which I don't expect them to. Um, I think we believe Jimmy Butler will sign wherever he gets traded for a five-year max. So then Jimmy Butler's not on the table unless he's traded to the Lakers, which he could be in a couple months. So at that point, you're already down several guys, and you're down to like Demarcus Cousins. You're down to Temple Walker. I, I agree, but I'm just everything just that you're not saying a lot makes guys total sense. I'm just saying that when you everything everything looks nice and <clears throat> tied up in a bow. Things it's too volatile. Things sure. change. Things can always change. change, change just, I think people just have assumed since LeBron signed. Who would be the oh, best? Just a in a vacuum, who would be the best? Uh, the, the Lakers can get one of those guys. Who would be the best guy? Kevin Durant. That's not a free agent. Oh. But I think Clay would be. I think I think Clay. Like you, for me, you, I'm just. I just don't. Over Kevin Durant. I no no. I think if you had your choice, Kevin Durant. I just don't see Kevin Durant joining LeBron. So I just can't. In a, I just, vac- in a vacuum. I think Clay. I think Clay would be such a perfect fit with the Lakers. What if? What if it was? What if it was just Chris Middleton or Bradley Beal? Let's say they trade for Bradley Beal. Let's say they sign Chris Middleton. Like, what would that be? I, 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 I yeah. I think the problem with you don't. I, for me, if you're the Lakers, you don't want to trade for somebody, and especially I like, trade for Bradley Beal though. But, but see, awesome I I want to keep that door open for Anthony Davis. That's why I want to keep my assets. I want to try and get somebody in free agency next year, and then Anthony Davis comes through, and we have to trade a bunch of people in New Orleans to get him. We'll do it. The other guy, the other the other guy that's interesting as a trade piece that I would love to see the Lakers get as a basketball fan is Damian Lillard. Well, that's why when you asked earlier, like, who's the right guy to play alongside LeBron, I, I think the profile that Lillard, Anthony Davis, and Bradley Beal all fit is guys who haven't really won anything right. of consequence at all in their career yet. 
And LeBron can at least get you that, give you some taste of that. You might not win you a championship at this right. stage of his career, but you're probably going to go, for all three of those players, they're going to go, they'll probably make a conference finals. They could convince themselves we'll make the conference finals or the finals. And that's an exciting enticement that, that he can still offer. That's the, quiet, that's the, uh, the Kyrie Irving spot in Cleveland, right? Sure. You have the young, the young up-and-coming guy. To, you know, Dame's a little older now, but still, like, the young up-and-coming star, the, you, LeBron takes you to the next level. Speaking of Cleveland, mm. 2016 was a great year, Dave. It was. It's <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> um, Feels like 2,000 years ago at this point. Uh, you know, they... To see that all fall down is, is you know. It's kind of sad. I mean, if you could, if you were there and you, if you understood what that, what that group did, we all knew it was somewhat temporary, but this was, I mean, now you got a point where the veterans who are left, you know, the pieces that are left, they're not even happy and they want out. I mean, it's, and, you know, like, like on one hand, I think that the the players did like hearing the fact that they were going to try to compete. Like I think Kevin Love definitely was down with it. I mean, he wanted the money too. Don't get me wrong, but he would have gotten the money in a free agent deal next summer. I think you know George Hill liked hearing that. I think Jr. liked hearing that. Corver, well, although Corver probably well, wanted Corver, to I don't think really be wanted traded to be there. for. I, I let me just put something about Corver. I don't think Corver wanted to leave. What I don't think Corver wanted was to get into December or January and get traded. Because he's 38 years old and he's got three kids and yeah. his family went through a lot last year. Rather have that else. And I think what he wanted to do is, at this point this, at this point in his career, know where he was going to be for the season. And, and that's not going to happen because he's going to get traded in November. <laughs> he's going to get traded, yeah, I think so. So, but, Dave, the they, I respect the fact that they said they were going to win, but they woefully, woefully misjudged this team. Oh, they and really it's did. Really I, I'll admit cause that I did too. I'll admit that I did too. I thought, I mean, maybe part of it's that Kevin Love wasn't healthy, but like I thought healthy Kevin Love was going to put up numbers and be good, but like, and then I thought, then I thought they'd be okay, like at least not horrendous. I thought, in the, I thought in the 30s of wins. Yeah, I, I, thought lower, I thought lower, I thought low 30s. I thought, I thought they'd have a chance to be in the mix for the eighth seed until like. I agree. That's March. where I was. Outside shot yeah. of, of a playoff. I, I did worry that they would have a problem having consistency. In production, yeah, uh, beyond Kevin, and then obviously with no Kevin, there's absolutely no consistency. So who misjudged it? Was it Kobe? Was it, uh, it Dan Gilbert? Obviously, changing his mind quickly. And well, then the question Dan. is, what did they really want to do with this group? Did they window dress it and kind of make it look like they wanted to contend to try to drum up some excitement in the wake of LeBron leaving? But really. They knew it was a strong possibility they could break this thing down if they didn't succeed, or did they really just uh, they had got a bad blow by Kevin getting hurt and by Tyloo being quote unquote un- insubordinate towards Kobe Altman, and then they had to completely change course drastically a couple weeks into the season. I think it's it's the change the former, course two not games into the, the season. Right. I think it's the former, not. The I mean, latter. I don't think that they would would have. I think the Channing Fry signing is instructive. Not that they thought that Channing was going to be a 25-minute player, but they don't go out and sign Channing Fry. It wasn't like they needed veterans on that team. I mean, they went out and got Channing Fry to make Kevin Love more mm-hmm. comfortable, but they don't do that deal unless they think. Also, doesn't Channing Fry not sign there if they don't tell him we're going to try to be good? Right. Well, they told everybody. We're no, but I know. But I just mean like to go like but, to go back to that. But like, I think Dave's point is there are there definitely were people there who are like, is this some sort of bait and switch right given the way it's played out it's hard to argue right yeah because you would have more patience otherwise instead of in two days two games in saying hey kyle and jr you're gonna is go it also that the young players they thought were going to be good that they could build around building blocks also haven't been that good rodney hood well, nance I mean, and clarkson in. i mean my my thing is i think they were going to go through the season and they had this veteran team and they had this young team and they were going to get to a certain point and they were going to decide Let's say they get to January 1st, and they're like, okay, we're in ninth place, and we're playing okay. Right we're going to keep us together. Or they get there, and they're in 12th place, and they're like, mm, I don't know, and Kevin's hurt, or blah, blah, blah. Well, they're in 15th place, 
and dropping fast ten days in. Yeah, I mean, it, are they? They're they're the worst team in the East for sure, right? Well, they're I mean, one Atlanta and one against they're one and down. one against Atlanta, right? <laughs> I guess. I mean, Atlanta Atlanta just blew out somebody yesterday. Trey had like twenty five and fifteen. Well, like, so I mean, I know he's going to be up and down, but like they got some young players, so they the got thing. some talent. Yeah. Like I don't think I think Cleveland Cleveland's a disaster. Dave and, you know, Cleveland Dave, doesn't have somebody who wants to coach a team. <laughs> <laughs> David Mize, former you know colleague there, Joe Varden, wrote basically that the older players are very frustrated with Colin Sexton because he's sort of headstrong, which is not unusual for a rookie to be. But he also comes in as a rookie thinking, I'm the number eight pick. I'm going to be here longer than all you Mm -hmm. guys. Um, And he's probably right. Right. But some of the details, wow, like doesn't take losing to heart. Has had veterans offer one-on-one assistance in George Hill about how to play defense and rebuff their advances. Um, uh, isn't learning. They haven't seen growth in, in the things you're supposed to be learning. Making the same mistakes over and over again. That's a bad bill of health to hear for a highly touted rookie who, you know, I I bought into it. You know, the, they had some other options at point guard in this draft. I was going to say there's a certain guy playing in Los Angeles named Shea Gilles Alexander right. who looks like he's going to be pretty good. Did you see what pretty JR good. did? Saturday night. <laughs> he anointed Trey Young Rookie of the Year. So, <laughs> oh, God, did he really? Yeah. Joe, oh, I didn't see that. Joe, wrote, <laughs> Joe wrote the story Saturday night. So clearly the veterans, after that, they got blown out in Charlotte. Clearly the veterans had, a had something to say to Joe. Or I shouldn't say that. The story about the veterans came out Saturday night. Yes. Also Saturday night, JR got in a tweet, said ROI with Trey Young. And Trey Young had had a good game. Who they beat Saturday night? They blew out some. I'm going to look it up because he had 25 and 15. He had 15 Miami. assists. It was Miami. It was Q, Q the JR windmill windmill Jeff. <laughs> I was there for that game. That was that was that was awesome. Uh, yeah. The one thing I want to point out as well is there's the opportunity cost in not trading that number eight pick. So not only did they pass on other players that they could have gotten instead of Colin Sexton. But there were. They also had the opportunity to trade that pick at the deadline last year. They had opportunity to trade him at the draft. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What's surprising too is that he came under Avery, so you would think he would know at least a little bit about NBA behavior and things like that. Yeah, but it's a rookie. I mean, again, he's a rookie, and that that situation is a dumpster fire. In his first month, much less his first year. And guess who had a relationship with him going back to his high school days? Teron Liu, who's no longer working for the franchise. They decided it wasn't important. Come on. And like, remember who went and scouted uh, Colin Sexton in person last year. I'm not sure that's true. I know people say that. I'm not oh, sure. no, I know it's true. Dan Gilbert was at the game. I don't know if that's true. Okay. But I will say I know this. it was true. He was on television at the game. I will say this. <laughs> and people who were at the game He was at a Trey Young game. That, when too. they played Colin Sexton. Oh, okay. It was Colin Sexton versus Trey Young in Alabama. I don't know if that's 100% true, but let me say this. <laughs> okay. It was, it was, Dan Gilbert on ESPN. I'm not sure that's true. Okay. Dan Gilbert didn't <laughs> we come have mutual to, friends who were at the game who could tell you. Okay. Dan Gilbert didn't come to Kyrie Irving's workout hmm. when that team was what were they dead last in the league what have you right he went to Colin Sexton's workout and tweeted about it during the finals yes so at, to your point whether he was at that game or not I don't he know was, why you're arguing me about that but anyway because somebody told me he was not I'm okay. not just I'm not just being headstrong well people who were at the game were like oh Dan Gilbert is here Danny was shown on TV. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Okay. Tony Wrestler was there. How many of our listeners know who Tony Wrestler is? There's a there's an audience for it. Tony Wrestler was at the game. Nobody mentioned that, and they drafted Trey Young. Tony Wrestler, the owner of the Atlanta Hawks. That's correct. Dan Gilbert had a credential, but I don't think he was there. Okay. All right. It doesn't matter. The point is, he clearly was in love with them. Well, wait. I, I have a question though on the Kyrie thing. Do you think that is an example of him wielding more influence or direct day-to-day decision-making as an owner now versus four or five years ago? I don't know. I think he's always had his hand on the joystick since about 2007. He took over as owner in 2005. But um, I just think he was particularly interested in this draft. 
and he loved Colin Sexton mm-hmm. because of his makeup, which is, you know, what's his nickname? So, I mean, young Bull. Yeah, young yeah, Bull. I was going to say, I thought it was Young like, Bull. But they, and didn't LeBron also <laughs> kind of endorse him a little bit? You know, LeBron endorses these he guys. Also should, he also uh, endorsed Shabazz Napier back in 2014. Yes. But again... I mean, he said he liked them. He didn't tell I'm them not, to draft I, I didn't mean he actually told them that. It just was a joke. But I did buy I mean, I bought into the, the mythos around him. I mean, he scored 40-plus points when yeah, he was playing think four on gonna, five in a college, college game. Stay. That was a – Yeah, he, I think he'll be fine. I loved that yeah, so sure. much. It's the underdog story. Yeah. He, he stared down the kid at the free throw line. Yeah. You know, he'll be, he'll be, he'll be a fine up. player. I don't know, man. I just don't think he's going to be Che Gilch Alexander. I was talking to a different personnel guy. He's like, I go, what do you think of Colin Sexton? He's like, oh. He's like, yeah, I mean, I really like him. You know, he's he's real spark plug. He plays really hard. He plays with force. You know, I could see him. Yeah, I, I could see, see Darren Collison. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, that's not what the Cavs are thinking. The Cavs are thinking Chris Paul. Right. <laughs> um, but, like, this was the thing. The guy was, like, really complimentary. He wasn't putting yeah, yeah, him down. Sure. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Darren Collison's had a nice player. Eight, sure. 10-year career. Sure. Um, I don't think anybody knows anything one month in. I'm just sure. saying that like that's what people are saying about it. I, I, I saw Jared Dudley, who you know, is a guy I like I, you know, a player who it's fun that he interacts with the media so much. But he took exception to the story, not in its veracity, but basically calling out the veterans, saying, well, "What are you doing talking to reporters about a young rookie? Why aren't you?" Doing everything you can to right. take them under your wing. Right. I think they, I think they're trying. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and so, I mean, th- that to me, because he's probably been in those situations. Perhaps he hasn't met someone as headstrong in the direction that Colin is so far. I would just say that I'd say it's all just proof that that's just a very toxic situation in every. Yeah, I would say level. one of the morals of the story um, is that the Cavs 2016 championship. Gains value remarkable by the day. Uh-huh. It looks better as as the by the minute. And I realize that they didn't have Durant, but whatever. As we see the Warriors turn into this beast, and as we see everything that LeBron was holding together was going on around him, it becomes. I'll never forget it. I'll say that I was there Cleveland, for those three Cleveland games. It was a remarkable give thing. Draymond Green a big assist. They should send him a bouquet of flowers every year. Can we can we go around the table this way? <laughs> About one thing that people should keep an eye on for the rest of this month. On anybody? On anything. Just this month? Just this month. (laughs) What's a short term thing that you wanna you wanna monitor? You wanna make sure you have your finger on the pulse of I have to go first. Where are we starting? You're going you're like going this way. Start with me? Okay. Uh, based on ESPN longevity, you start. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Dave's got the most seniority here at ESPN, right? yeah, I might. You, we were around the same time. I was in April 2010. Oh, I have more than you. Yeah, I was at fall 2010. So, and I was December 2009. Nice. There, there you go. go. Uh, since it's part of what I'll be doing, I'm uh, I'm very curious to see the next month uh, for both Gordon Hayward and Markel Fultz for kind of the same reason. Uh, both Boston and Philly are trying to play these guys a lot of minutes, even though they may don't may not deserve it for different reasons and they're they've been very up and down and both of those teams are watching milwaukee and toronto go flying out to these hot starts and they are kind of all over the place the Sixers just got routed tonight in brooklyn uh the, the celtics lost last night in a strange ending in indy they play denver tomorrow they're on the west coast gordon hayward goes back to utah on friday um so i'm curious to see what their progressions both are because they will have big impacts on the east um, two very self-serving things. One, I, I picked Kyrie Irving for MVP. I think I was the only guy on our panel to mm. do so. And he started to pick it up a little bit. He, he really struggled earlier on in the year. Yeah. He had a couple of nice games after Tommy Heinsohn called him out. and you know He hit what could have been a game winner in against the Pacers and then and missed a layup, and, and layup afterwards. Um, so I'm curious to see if he can continue on this upward uh, trajectory that he appears to be on and, and actually make himself part of that conversation so I don't look so foolish. And the other one would be if Carmelo Anthony can, and I have a, a, you know, a kinship to him because of our days in Syracuse together, if he can look a little bit more like the player that he looked against Brooklyn uh, as of late than the player who was a 
absolute train wreck to start the year where other teams were just headhunting him on defense. Can he actually – I'm not asking him to be the Carmelo of old in Denver, but can he be a serviceable player in that rotation and not just complete albatross? Um, I think we touched on it a little bit earlier for me, but I'm keeping my eye on the – I don't like calling the Wizards the Bullets – but uh, and just the train wreck they've been two and seven, and I'm really just fascinated by what they can possibly do, how they're going to break this team up because it just feels like they can't keep it together anymore. And will Scott Brooks survive? What's going to happen to Ernie? Uh, what happens to John Wall, Bradley Beal? Ernie's the Teflon Don. <laughs> he is kind of like a Don too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he he wears rings. <laughs> <laughs> He chews gum a lot. I've never seen anybody not chewing gum. Yep. Don't mess with him. He's also got the world's largest hands. He does have yes. enormous hands. He's <laughs> yes. a very, he's a very like, um, he's, a sta- giant. he's a stately, Yeah, he cuts a stately figure. He's just a massive guy. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, yeah you would think that he would be unapproachable because he sort of, he does. He he could have been in Sopranos, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like, he is an Italian, I don't think, but no. he. No, he's Romanian. Is that right? Yeah. He was well, born then, in Romania. Although when, the although Sopranos that, may have used some Romanians. Although yeah. that 99 Knicks could have been like the Sopranos because remember Van Gundy and Ernie were going at it and Dave Checkets and it was a yeah. one big giant drama. Ernie's been, Ernie's Ernie been absolutely stuff. could have been an extra in the Sopranos. Yeah, he could have been, been yeah. in the in the, in Bada Bing scene. Oh, for sure. Nobody would have sure. been For sure. He lived in New Jersey for a long, all those years. Long time. Yeah. Um, I'm just not going to these references. He had no idea the Seinfeld reference. And you're not that young, Quite frankly, uh, I have I have a I have a I, I don't have, think people from New Jersey, by the way, would take a, a offense to uh, somebody who I lived in New Jersey for for several several years, many years. Yeah, um, two things. One, uh, my favorite player in the league, the guy that I check in on all the time, and he had a good game tonight, is Pascal Siakam. Mm, you do like him. Um, he had a moment. Did you just say favorite player in the league? My favorite player in the league to check in on okay. right now is like, well, what Pascal do? Like, I will Brian's say, bought all of the Pascal Siakam stuff. He had 16 and 13 tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, when it was ruled out that Kawhi, when Kawhi, I was on the plane coming here when I saw the tweets that Kawhi was out tonight. And the first thing I thought of is, so Pascal might. Because he had a good game the other time Kawhi missed. I'm surprised you didn't tweet from the plane to put out that news, too. Can I relay a text? No. Just just as the Pascal text. Okay. It's just, it was, I just got cleared for takeoff when he uh, when that news came out. That I got was, that text. Okay, uh, so, okay but, but Pascal, that's, that's cleared like for mi- takeoff. It's like a minor thing. He was, too. I, I know. That's why I asked to, to read it. I, it's you, not you the most checking important. In. It's not the most important thing. But it's when I look at the box scores after I want to say what did Sackham do because I feel like this guy is mm-hmm. he and OG are to go back to the Raptors for a second are the real swing guys for them. They can if they if they take big steps forward they could really take off uh, and tell Bontas you need to tell OG that his shorts are way too tight. They're way too short and way too tight. No, seriously, we were. That's, <laughs> that came up on press row today. His shorts were like ridiculously. This is what happens when it's a forty-point game. Forty-one to ten in the first quarter. You have to find something to talk about. Um, my second thing is um, is Philly. First off, Embiid. I wish I could remember who I got in this discussion with. Somebody told me I was talking to people about how I thought the Raptors had the best player in the East, and they and they said, "Well, it's not necessarily true." And yeah. I go, well, you know, Giannis, he could be there. I'm like, no, 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 Embiid. This was, mm-hmm. a, this was, was that you? No, it wasn't me, but he's been fantastic. But this is the, the start of the season. And I'm like, well, Embiid is really good, but, you know, he, he doesn't always play in every game, and he gets in foul trouble, and he only plays 30 minutes. Well, Embiid has been an absolute Unbelievable. He's been a monster. Beast. Monster. And um, so I'm definitely monitoring Philly for that, but also – Philly spun their wheels this offseason, and it is glaring on them right now. They do not have the shooting. They um, Fultz is not taking the step forward. You know, well, so Chandler, shockingly, is hurt all the time. Yes. Has he even played yet? He just came back. He, he, oh, he just did? didn't play again today. Well, he just came back the other day. Yeah, I know. Back. So, Philly, I think, is ripe. To, and I also, and I've said this before, and I'll Sarge say Sarge isn't playing well either. No. Um, the... Um, they're not. They have cap space this summer, but I don't like their. I don't love their chances competing against the Lakers, Clippers, Knicks, Nets. Nets. Who am I forgetting? I mean, the, the Bulls have money. I mean, I just. I don't love their chances on getting one of these guys. Sacramento. 
Which is crazy because, I mean, like, Brett Brown is a really charismatic guy. I agree, but I just don't love their chances. But, Philadelphia but, is a, a good city, and then you've got all the talent. I know, but they, where that guy fits in and everything. So my point is is that they are more incentivized. I just think Jimmy – I think they're going to get into Jimmy Butler. So that's what I'm watching. Well, you don't like talking about hypothetical oh, trades, yeah. but Andrew oh, we, Hahn, Yeah, we talked about Bradley Beal before. Yeah, this did is one here. Yeah, Bradley Beal for he's going to Philly. Wait a minute, Andrew said that it was, hypothetical trades were boring. No, you said though they oh, were. No. Oh, you said it. Yeah. Oh, Andrew did. Well, I didn't. I didn't. I don't want to do the whole podcast on hypothetical I trades. I didn't interrupt the podcast to say I want to talk about. This. I just showed. I, right, but you showed well, us. I'm going to say it. But, but, but while what you trade? were Philly, this is a Andrew Hahn special. Okay. Philly gets Bradley Beal, and the Wizards get Chandler, Fultz, and Sarich. I I I would do it. Is if I was the Lakers, involved? I would do it. I mean, if I was the Lakers, I, I'd push in I don't the pieces think for Beal. Picks are part of the trade machine. Yeah. I think Beal. I think Beal is the the guy that's floating out there as the 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 long term piece that could suit, that could become Washington, available. Washington, you know, they're famously conservative. I'm sure they. I'm sure they won't be willing to do it now, but like whether it's next summer, like he's the guy that whenever that situation starts to move, There's that's the guy everybody around the team is going to want. Watching. That's true. On that note, um, <laughs> thank you guys for this. Is, this is staying late. Because you guys all covered this game. Yeah, I sacrificed watching 90 Day Fiance tonight. Oh, my gosh. Good reality show, Brian. But the Lakers are off the next two days, so. Yeah, I guess I'll have to catch up. Right. 90 Day Fiance. You, guys, you should start watching it, Brian. What's it on? It's on TLC. Nope. That's, that's no for me, Doug. Hard no. Hard no. I'll have no, to pass on out. that one, Doug. I'm missing out. Um, thanks to Owen. Thanks to Dave. Thanks to Andrew Hanford. He got his pizza also. I want to get some more of that. Pepperoni was too spicy, though, for me. Uh, Tim Bontemps, our newest addition. Thank you for listening to Hoop Collective Podcast. Brian Winhurst, Tennessee Hoop Collective. Oh. But you know, you got to say it like a TV show. <laughs> <laughs>